Hey everybody, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and uh, Rust Belt Startup is normally a podcast that is full of long-form conversations with artists, entrepreneurs, educators, people that are living unconventional lives in unconventional locations. But today is a little bit different because uh, it's, uh, what is it, it's 10 o'clock on a... Uh, it's Wednesday, I think. I'm kind of down in the bunker here. What day is it? Does anyone know what's going on? It's uh, kind of crazy stuff going on all around us. And I uh, hope everybody here is uh, is safe and uh, taking care of themselves, taking care of each other uh, during uh, during what is is a is a pretty pretty historic and, and crazy time. I've uh, been digesting a little bit too much news lately, and um, felt compelled to um, do a quick pod tonight that is is coronavirus-esque, but I don't know, trying to focus on some of the things that I've been thinking about over the last few days, few weeks, and, um, you know, based on some conversations I've had with folks, what, what's going to happen? Where are we going? What's what's being affected? And I uh, wanted to do a quick, quick talk, quick monologue, quick... Uh, quick mind dump and hopefully you guys get some value out of this so thanks for thanks for being here um so yeah like i like i said we're in the uh i'm in the basement studio right now and and uh give you a little sense of what's happening i'm, I'm here in utica new york and my wife and i um i'm working from home all my uh, appointments and, and my consults have all gone to remote since uh last friday and we're kind of doing the two-week voluntary quarantine um, none of us have any symptoms or, or none of us are sick. Um, but you know, everything we're, that we're reading and speaking to some, uh, friends of ours that are medical professionals, the consensus seems to be, God, just don't leave the house. Like, don't be a jerk and hoard stuff, but don't leave the house. And so we are, um, we're kind of holing up here for two weeks and seeing how things go in it. And it, it looks like it's going to get kind of, kind of tough out there. So, um, but we're here, we're doing good. And, uh, uh my wife is, is a champ making a, a daily schedule for the kids and myself, and we're doing the best to the best that we can to work and create and uh, provide uh, education and uh, and 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 stimulation to the kids. And uh, I think I don't even know what day we're on. We're not in double digits yet, but uh, but it's hard. It's real hard, and I know a lot of people are are going through the same thing as well. So um, wanted to to give you guys a, a little bit of some thoughts on, on what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, uh, on the ground here, more from a business perspective, but it's made me really think about how things are going to, how things are changing and how things are going to change, you know, and you got to ask yourself, so what is going to change? And, uh, I think everything in a way, um, you know, you're seeing that businesses are going to have to start reinventing themselves really fast. I mean, we've been seeing folks that are service providers moving online quickly, restaurants offering takeout and online ordering and delivery and, and being incredibly resourceful and also looking at uh, things that they can do, other revenue lines, other ways that they can add value because of the different uh, uh, situations that, that customers might be in. Right now, in, in I'm in upstate New York. All of the bars, gyms, restaurants are closed completely, and uh, most people are on a work-from-home basis at the moment. So for a lot of folks, business has been, has been really tough, and, and they've been 
forced to really reinvent not only what they do, but but how they do it. So offerings is a, is a big uh, a big thing. Obviously, I'm not saying anything that you don't know or haven't seen already, but if you think about what's the lift that the business community, the large, the big business community, and the small business community has had to lift, it's been completely remarkable so far, even giving the circum, given the circumstances. I mean, look at education. The kids are out of school. We don't know for how long. It might be through the end of the year, which is creating a whole set of challenges. But these teachers, you know, in our communities have like reinvented the education system in so many ways in like two weeks. It's unbelievable. And there's there's stuff that we got to work out. There are things that are not working. But if you just think about where we were two weeks ago to where we are, and it's going to get weird. It's going to get tough. But um, the things and the ingenuity and the uh, 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 the entrepreneurial spirit that people have had already is, is pretty amazing. And I was on Instagram uh, today a little bit, and I came upon a, a, a post from the truck from my friend Big Mike, Big Mike Morell. And I think he's at Total Solutions on Instagram. And he was doing one of his uh, conversations from the truck, and he said, you know, in his adult life, hopefully... This is the only time that this happens. But when is the last time that the world kind of stopped? And it may never happen again. We kind of hope it doesn't happen again. But during this time, what are you going to do to learn and change yourself? What are you going to do? What are you going to learn? How are you going to change yourself? How are you going to reinvent yourself out of necessity or out of opportunity? And I thought that's a great way to approach this because everything is really upended right now. You know, and the biggest thing that, that we've been seeing, certainly that, that I've been seeing, is this move from from in-person meetings to, to digital. I've, I feel like I've been living in Zoom for the past few days, and, and that's going to continue for, for quite some time. And the other day, uh, I think it was Monday, uh, Seth Godin's blog had a really great take on, uh, on conversation and meetings. And I actually just want to read a little excerpt of, of that blog post. I'm going to link it up in the show notes, so be sure to go and, and check it out. But but it was really, uh, I, I thought, very, very insightful. I'm not reading the whole thing. This is just kind of a, um, a snippet of it. So um, he starts out by saying, The world is changing faster and more suddenly than most of us expected. And beyond the fraught health emergencies that so many are going through, many of us are being asked to quickly move our meetings and our classes online. Fortunately, there's powerful and inexpensive tools to do just that. And unfortunately, we're, n- we're at risk of adopting a new status quo that's even worse than the one it replaces. We can make it better. You have a choice to reinvent the default or to make it better. We can maintain the status quo. Which way will you contribute? Rather than doing what we've always done in real life, but online and not as well, what if we did something better instead? Here's what we think we get from a real-life meeting a chance for people to come together and discuss important issues. But here's what we actually get. A chance for some people to demonstrate their status and their power. And a chance for most people to take notes and seek to avoid responsibility. Real-life meetings are among the most hated part of work for the typical office worker. They last too long, happen too often, and bore and annoy most of the people who attend. They can mostly be replaced by a memo if they're about transferring information, or they could be better run if they're about transforming information. So we have a few problems. 
1. The in-person regime of meetings and school is riddled with problems around status, wasted time, compliance, boredom, and inefficient information flow. Moving to online gives up the satisfaction of the status quo, diminishes the ego satisfaction for those seeking status, and creates even more challenges with compliance, boredom, and the rest. But there's a solution. It's a straightforward and a non-obvious choice. Let's have a conversation instead. A conversation involves listening and talking. And a conversation involves a perception of openness and access and humanity on both sides. People hate meetings, but they don't hate conversations. People might dislike education, but everybody likes learning. So if you're trapped in a room of 50 people and the organizer says, let's go around the room and have everyone introduce themselves, you know you're in for an hour of unhappiness. And that's because no one is listening and everyone is nervously waiting for their turn to talk. But if you're in a conversation, you have to listen to the other person. Because if you don't, you won't know what to say when it's your turn to talk. Conversations reset the power and compliance dynamic because conversations enable us to be heard. Conversations generate their own interest because after you speak your piece, you're probably very focused on what someone is going to say in response. You don't have to have a conversation, but if you choose to have one, go all in and actually have one. Here's the punchline. The digital world enables a new kind of conversation, one that scales, one that cannot possibly replicate it in the real world. And there's a special button for it in Zoom, and if you have uh, enrollment and the passion to engage with it, you can use it to create magic. If we want to, we can use a tool like Zoom to create conversations and not a rehash of tired power dynamics. We can create peer-to-peer -peer environments where conversations happen. Here's how it works. And it kind of goes on a little bit, but I want to jump uh, back to uh, uh, back to this a couple of good rules for meetings the most important rule for meeting is if you ha if you have to have a real-time meeting if it deserves to be a meeting if you need people to read a memo send a memo if you need people to if you need students to do a set of problems send the problems if you want people to watch a speech or a talk record it and email it to them meetings and real-time engagements that are worthy of conversations are rare and magical use them wisely People come to the meeting ready to have a conversation. If they're coerced to be there, everything else gets more difficult. I just thought that was so great. We've all been on Zoom calls where we're just not paying attention. And, um, and I think looking at these digital tools as just a replication of what we do in the real world is not going to cut it. We have to really start thinking about how do we use them to create, uh, to, I guess, to use these real-time tools on special occasions where they're warranted. And, and there's going to be a learning curve here. We all have to figure out how we're going to operate in this kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, this this asynchronous way of, of doing work in a lot of ways. I mean, think about all the meetings that you have during a day. It's a lot of meetings. If all of those things were calls, you'd just be on Zoom all day long. So we need to really kind of figure out what are the best tools to, to transfer information and transform information. I thought that was just a really really great take on what's going on. Um, I've been using Zoom and been, been really enjoying it, but curious to see how what you guys are using for meetings. Are you using Slack? Are you using Microsoft Teams? What's working? What's not? Uh, would love to hear your comments if you get a chance. And you know, I guess one of my kind of theories around this is that when we come out, uh, out the other end of this, and, and we will come out the other end of this, when you look at so many businesses, uh, particularly large firms and, and, and those in the education space and the professional services space, 
how you know however this however long this is going to last how many how many uh, businesses are going to look back at this and go wow you know that went really well this remote work thing this asynchronous work thing worked really well in terms of providing some degree of flexibility some degree of productivity um, and maybe some some uh, some improvements on on culture there's going to be some folks where this experiment really uh, sheds a light on the positives of working remote or the, or the capability that they have in working remote. And there's going to be some businesses that this, is, this may drag them under. And that can be for a ton of reasons. It could be, you know, that, that it turns out their, their culture and, and the staff isn't what they thought it was. But I do think you're going to find a lot of people that when faced with this kind of adapt or die um, situation, they're going to adapt. And when we're done and we look back and say, well, this worked, what do we do now? What happens to the existing way that we used to do business? If this goes on for three months and we build new habits and new relationships, what happens when it's time to go back? Is it time to go back? How many of these habits and structures and dynamics are going to stay through? And then what do we do not in all cases, obviously, but what are we going to do with all this real estate? What are we going to do with these buildings and all of these things built to make people in the same place at the same time working on the same thing? They serve a purpose. It certainly does. And we've had to uh, violently uh, extract those things from a lot of businesses, that, that infrastructure, that facility. What do we do now? And what do we do once new habits are formed? Do we go back to those old habits? Or do we try to integrate these into some way? It's going to be a really interesting situation. And, and that, that disintegration of going from a facility to virtual is going to be really hard on businesses. But what happens if it works? What happens when you try to reintegrate people? It's going to be based on, I think, other things. We're going to, we're going to learn some things through this experience. Uh, when it comes to how we work, the things that we value, when we work, the people we work best with, and how we disseminate and transfer and transform information. So real estate is going to be, I think, really affected, um, especially when it comes to businesses that are using, have been forced to use a lot of remote work. Same thing with education. I mean, look at, we, we, we've, we've pushed students all to online very, very quickly, what is that uh, learning curve, no pun intended, going to look like? And then how do we go back? Do we want to go back? Maybe we do. Maybe I'm completely bad. But there's going to be some people that do not want to go back. I've been talking to, over the last several days, several uh, folks in the professional service sector, trainers, restaurants, creators, and you know the questions that they're having for me are, how am I going to make, I rely on this, you know, this, this training income, I rely on my, my gym income, I rely on these, these face-to-face, imp- these personal interactions to make a living. What am I going to do? How do I translate this to online? How do I you know, figure out something that I can do that's going to bring in revenue? And I think it's going to be a bumpy road ahead of us, right? We're used to paying people for time and personal interactions. How do you create that same value proposition in cyberspace across a screen? I want to make the argument that it's not going to be enough to just be a FaceTime. And we're, we're trying that now. Like we're figuring this out, right? But it's needing, it's needing to think about this transaction as a way to, as, as online to offline, as the internet kind of coming into the real world. And so I think it's got to go beyond 
the video conferencing, there's got to be something, there's got to be additional, um, additional value propositions that come across in an online, uh, in an online product, even if you're used to providing an offline product that are going to make up that value gap that are going to get people to write a check, put their credit card in, uh, continue to, um, to pay you, especially if it's, if you're in a, in a part of a business that is someone's routine, because that routine has just been completely disrupted. And so how do we adapt to that in space and time when it comes to some of these appointment-based businesses? I don't have a great answer. I mean, people are trying lots of different things from live streaming private Facebook groups um, uh, to doing uh, private Zoom channels, um, FaceTime consults. I mean, these these are all things that, that are going to get shaken out, and we're going to try a lot of them. And some of them are going to work, and some of them aren't going to work. But one of the things that I've been kind of focusing on is especially in this instance where we're used to walking in and transacting with a person or understanding what the value prop is. For, we know what we're going to get when we walk in and have an experience. It, if I'm an experience-based business, how do I get that experience into that client's home or into the, onto that client's screen? It's a whole different uh, intellectual problem that we have to figure out. And on the other side, I think we really need to figure out as, as, as people that are, are customers of a lot of these companies, what's the best way to pay for it? You know, I don't really don't think we've nailed down um, micropayments yet. I mean, there's so many different options between PayPal, Venmo, Square, all of these things. Um, and, and it's all easy and it's all not easy. And so as we're moving to these online products for, for, for booking, how are people going to make this, this jump and how do we bring our customers with us? Some of this, I think, is really going to be um, educating people on how to pay for service, but also, you know, really educating people on what the value is of this, the online version of what you used to pay for offline. It's a lot about value creation and, and reducing friction. So making it easy for me to transact with you. And I think the easier you can make it for me to transact with you, the, the higher the probability that I'm going to transact with you. And I don't think anybody's cracked this yet. But I would love to hear, again, love to hear what you guys are doing. If you're in a, in a, a professional service atmosphere, what, are, what apps are you using? How are you getting paid? Are you not getting paid? What, what are the things that are working? I um, would love to start posting that stuff to social media based on, on your experiences. But this is, a, this is a brand new paradigm where I think there's going to be some folks that um, it's, it's, this is going to be um, the thing that, that kills their, their business. And for others, I think that can figure it out and bring their clients with them. It's going to be a whole new revenue opportunity and is going to transform what they do in a lot of really unique ways. So I guess, you know, taking some of those, t- taking some of those things into consideration, what am I doing? Um, you know, how, how am I uh, spending my time and, and changing my schedule? To give you, you know, the, the, the uh, a short rundown, you know, it's we're figuring it out. Um, my wife is, is, uh, an organization champion and she's been generating a, a schedule based on, um, I call and meeting schedule and, and what the kids need. We post that in the kitchen on, on my daughter's easel and we try to follow that schedule. It's got to be different every day. It's got to be exciting. And, uh, we put dates and, and times, uh, associated with everything. Um, you know, the great, I guess the great thing about this is, and, and we'll find a rhythm, but, um, it has been great to spend a lot more time uh, as a family, and I do think we're gonna we're gonna get a lot out of this experience. As you know, as as long as everybody stays healthy, 
um, in terms of, you know, spending a lot of real quality time as a family. And that's a great thing. And trying to figure out how to, how to balance that um, with the needs of getting a ton of stuff done uh, is a challenge. And, you know, but the, the interesting thing is that everyone else is going through the same challenge together. And so a couple of things that I'm, that I'm looking at are one batching. So, um, you know, really doing email triage in chunks and really batching tasks into chunks instead of trying to say, okay, we're going to, you know, I'm going to, dad's going to work downstairs from nine to five. And then I'll, I'll treat it like a regular work day. It's not going to, it's not working that way, at least not yet. And so looking at how I can be a good contributor and a good parent and a good partner, uh, by helping with both of the kids, uh, because my daughter's no longer, uh, at school, uh, four days a week. So, um, you know, that's, so how do, how do I, how do I be a more present, uh, parent? And, and partner while still being productive. And so some of that is really is, is sticking to that schedule, dedicating to family time, uh, and then looking at a fragmented, more of a fragmented workday. So early morning triage, that's phone calls, tons of email, um, and then diving into some family time, and then really spending some time doing the afternoon, the work, like defining what needs to be done in the morning, doing that, um, in a, in a big chunk in the afternoon. Um, and then going back to some family time. And then after the kids go to bed, which is around seven, seven thirty, if everything goes well, going back to work for a little bit and, uh, doing some catch up work, doing some, uh, some, some, some building of things like, like this podcast, doing some, you know, web development and, and trying to do some of the more, um, uh, the more things that have have a hard deadline to them, that some of that client catch up, you know. And the and the good thing is that a lot of the clients that I'm working with, a lot of the folks that I'm trying to assist, they're in the same boat. They got families. They're in the same situation that we are. And so sometimes evenings and early mornings are working better for them. And this fragmented workday, I'm really curious to see how it's going to work out, at least in the short term. Do I feel more productive, less productive, more scattered, more focused? I will certainly keep you guys posted. Um, and I want to leave you guys, actually, I don't want to leave with this story. It's very weird. If you get a chance, I'll, I'll link this episode up too. I uh, just finished listening to yesterday's episode of Pivot with, um, Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It's one of the only podcasts that I listen to twice a week, uh, the day that it comes out or the next day. And, um, uh, this week's episode was, was good as usual. And uh, uh, Professor Galloway, actually, he's got a pod, his own podcast coming out too. Um, Scott had a very interesting take on um, the economic impacts of the coronavirus. And um, he basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, what we're really looking at here is long-term effectively having a redistribution of income. Uh, and that economy, it, the economy is going to come back. The employment will come back at some point. And there's a lot of people that are going to lose their shirts in the market. There's some businesses that are going to go under, but there are people who are going to benefit. And some of those folks are lower and mid middle income folks that are going to be able to buy an apartment in Brooklyn for 30 to 40% less than it was a year ago. And the stocks will be valued at 30%, 30 to 40% less. And so that's an opportunity for people to buy into the market. But he says, you know, this is, is a very strange, uh, um, uh, almost Darwinian, could be looked at as a Darwinian epidemic see, uh, based on income, uh, income inequality. 
He says, you know, what, what happens when you don't protect the middle class? The rich gain more power than the middle class. They overrun the government. They cut taxes. They elect people who cut CDC pandemic budgets by 80%. And they wallpaper over the notion that government doesn't matter. And here we are. It's an interesting take. It's a really interesting take. And, you know, one of the other things that I've been kind of thinking about is, as, we're, as I'm, we're all inundated with the news is... For me, anyway, you know, some of these concepts that um, candidates like uh, Bernie Sanders and, and Andrew Yang um, were talking about, you know, UBI, universal basic income, um, really standardizing and, and, and uh, uh, in, you know, enacting uh, paid time off and sick leave across industries, access to better health care. Um, these things are really starting to, to, to hit home. These, these, these ideas that Four weeks ago, people thought of as, well, I shouldn't say people, lots of people thought of as nuts, are now starting to come into the national conversation again. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think we really need to look at some of these concepts um, because what we're seeing is not an economic slowdown. It's an economic stoppage in a lot of ways. And how can we look at some of these concepts to integrate them to create a better safety net for all of us? I don't know how it's going to turn out. And uh, it's going to be, it's like, I'll be honest, it's scary. I'm, we're, we're all, we're all scared. Um, and yet, you know, what we're seeing in places like Italy, which is, is horrible on, on, on the one hand, you know, these, these images and, and videos and sounds of people singing. And, and I saw a, a couple guys playing battleship across balconies, uh, yelling coordinates to each other. Um, we're seeing businesses here, right here in, in central New York, come together and do um, uh, meal prep and free meals for kids that are out of school that might be food insecure. People creating supply lines for people in need. You know, every every musician and their brother doing free online concerts and classes and, and creating connection in this digital space. It is pretty. It, you know, there's a part of this that is really magical. And uh, you know, I guess maybe one of my hopes for this is what what happens when we come out and you know maybe it's a a fundamental rethinking of of value, the idea of value, of, of what we value, uh, what's valuable to us, and, and you know how how we you know is it possible for us once the dust settles, which may be a while, you know, to 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 reorganize um, our our personal priorities and schedules and and goals, and maybe maybe even our economic and, and political priorities, and kind of reorient them towards what we find really matters we'll see so stay safe wash your hands and uh shoot a text or give someone a call or facetime uh, someone you care about tonight we'll see you guys with another conversation real soon stay safe